We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 1,047 days into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? Healthy and alive. A bit annoyed on the home front because of some stuff we learned from the insurance company. Uh, but uh, other than that, all is well. I'm very sorry to hear about that um, that criminal, excuse me, that insurance company uh, that is, that is going to treat you that way. That's... Um, that, that goes along with what I said in the very beginning when I was hearing about this problem from you. I said, you know what the problem is with insurance companies? And you said, what? And I said, they take and take and take, but when it comes time for them to pay, they don't want to pay. They don't want to pay. And that's basically what it is. To, to give the listener a long story, a long story short for the listener's sake, um, the contractor says it's going to cost X amount of dollars and insurance company says, ah, we'll pay for two thirds of it. And on top of the two thirds that we're going to pay, we're actually going to hold back depreciation. Uh, so basically they're holding back another amount of money that would go towards paying for this and they'll hang on to that money. And if we need it, they'll, they'll, they'll pay it, but otherwise they're just going to keep it. Well, um, I would say you, you kind of need it because if they're only paying two thirds and you were expecting them to pay, oh, I don't know, at least 90% of it, I would say. I mean, obviously, that's going to cost a little bit, I understand, because that's just how insurance works in America. You have to pay a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I, mean, I mean, yeah, you've got to, you got to hit a deductible uh, and, and all that stuff. Yeah. I understand that. But once you hit a deductible, um, hello, that's why we have insurance. We don't have yeah. insurance well, because we don't use insurance. We don't pay into insurance in America. And then when it comes time, you say, oh, well, it's a good thing you got this stuff. Um, well, OK, we can say that you have it, but we're not going to pay a damn thing. Uh, no, that's not how insurance works. That's not how, excuse me, and, that's not how insurance is supposed to work. Excuse me. Well, yeah. And, and the other problem I have with all of this, well, <laughs> a couple problems. One, we have to pay for the actual plumbing issue. That was the problem. You know, the pipes being replaced and removed and all that part. We have to pay for that part of it. But insurance will cover the damages that caused. It's weird way it's worded. But anyway, the other issue I have with this entire situation is who is it exactly that is holding a gun to our head saying you have to have insurance? Oh, that's right. The government. They're the ones saying that you have to have insurance. I have some choice words I won't say here because we're family friendly. Doesn't stop Marty or Ned. They just say, you know what? You can put the bleeps in. That's fine. I don't care. You know, but yeah, yeah. I, I understand. Yeah, I, I got it. Well, I'm very sorry to hear about that. I wish you the best of luck dealing with that 
shyster you call an insurance adjuster because <laughs> that's what oh, yeah. it's all about is is that as soon as you told me what they were going to pay i said after i got done laughing i said well i hope that's their first offer and you said no that's their final offer <laughs> yep so i'm i'm uh i'm gonna make it difficult on the uh adjuster and uh we're going to have some discussions and see if we can't squeeze a bit more out of them show him a little bit of that southern hospitality there bruce will you oh i'll be glad to something tells me you're not going to be inviting him over for a barbecue anytime soon uh, he might be the barbecue. <laughs> he might be the barbecue. <laughs> That's true. All right. Uh, moving right along. We're just joking, of course. Moving right along. Yes. You were quoting some statistics to me before we started. And this is after we got done with our uh, with our laugh session of quite possibly one of the most horrendous political figures during the COVID-19 pandemic, and that was, at the time, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio. I am currently in the process of putting together a compilation of Mayor de Blasio from New York, excuse me, former Mayor de Blasio from the state and city of New York on what he did during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I understand that we're still dealing with that, okay, but you know what I'm talking about. When they had everybody locked down, New York City like that, that was one of the most locked down cities in the world. They were not going to reopen and they had all kinds of just like communist China-esque restrictions going on up there. That's where the vaccine passport got introduced in America was in New York City. And you'll see why uh, when when I start playing these clips of uh, uh, Mayor de Blasio. I don't think I'm going to do that today because I've got so many of them that I need to get to and I need to uh, to sort through them. And Bruce and I need to go through them and figure out what order we're going to play them in because it's just too good. All the bribery, all the coercion, and it's just, it's pathetic. It is beyond pathetic. Looking back at it, from where we are now, looking back at it, oh my goodness, it is pathetic. So you were quoting some statistics on the all-cause mortality. and We've got some numbers. We've got the Q2 numbers out of Germany, I think, is, is what was quoted by a panel with Ed Dowd and Dr. Brian, uh, I believe it was Hooker, and a couple of others on the all-cause mortality uh, in Germany. And we're seeing this across the board. You've got an MIT professor from Israel saying, oh my God, what did I do? I ask myself that every day. Oh my God, what did I do? He says, and you've got everybody else that he talks to. They won't speak publicly because they've done it to themselves and their kids, and they don't know what to do. And you're saying, that the numbers that are in the, and I mean, we're just going to call spade a spade here, the numbers of people that identify in the Democrat demographic voter realm, they're seeing the largest excess mortality, all-cause mortality, and you're saying it's just being swept under the rug. Well, I mean, uh, look at the news media and everything. Nobody's really talking about the um, sudden death syndrome or, or sudden adult death syndrome. Uh, nobody, nobody's talking about that really. Nor are they talking about the seventeen uh, percent of children who experience cardiac symptoms after getting uh, just the Pfizer jab. Now, keep in mind the Pfizer jab was the lower dosage, whereas the Moderna was a higher dosage. So, if you were seeing this in the Pfizer one, you're going to see it exponentially higher in the Moderna one. Seventeen percent of the kids that took a, a jab from Pfizer had experienced cardiac symptoms, 17%. And also keep in mind that according to uh, the CDC's vSafe system, this is different than the VAERS, they list 500 other AEs or adverse effects that are more serious than myocarditis. 
500 other categories that are more severe um, that have had confirmed cases of this. God, there, there's data all over the place. We got uh, the the 20% spike in deaths in uh, England and Wales. We've got New South Wales. They had zero people administered to the hospital that were unvaccinated. All, I repeat, all hospitalizations and ICU ad admittance was vaccinated. One, two, three, four and doses or more. To be clear, yeah, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that. To, and to, just to be clear, because down in Australia, we were seeing out of the, uh, quote, politicians and health officials down there, we were seeing at their press conferences, they were saying, well, uh, if you've got two doses and you don't have that booster dose, well, then you're not vaccinated anymore. And that's not how they classified this is what you're saying. Is that correct? Exactly. That's not how they classified it. They separated it into uh, no dose, one dose, two dose, three dose, four or more doses. And the no dose had zero hospitalizations. Uh, it did categorize six deaths, however. Now, uh, in their methodology, it's questioned on how they did this, because um, as we know, with all the other deaths that we had here in the U.S. that were motorcycle accidents, gunshots, um, you know, suicide, homicide, all those kind of things were ruled um, COVID deaths because they tested positive for COVID. Same case here. We don't know. We don't know the, uh, the, the, the further data on this. But uh, it should also be noted that Australia has an 84% vaccination rate. And by that, I mean, they had at least one dose, 84%. The deaths here uh, in this in this case is only 6% of the deaths from the non-vaccinated category, whereas all the other deaths were vaccinated. That is a huge disproportionate uh, difference there. So it is. You mentioned, uh, I, I suppose we can take this one at a time. You mentioned the CEO, or excuse me, you mentioned Pfizer uh, and the CEO of Pfizer, uh, Albert Borla. He was caught walking by himself, as in no security. He had some entourage around him, but there were no security people with him. You could tell those were not security people because they would have been stomping on those reporters, Avi Yemeni, and, who's Australian, by the way, uh, and this other reporter. I can't think of his name right off the top of my head, but uh, these guys are with, uh, with Rebel News. They cornered Borla, so to speak. Actually, in one sense, they actually did because he was trying, <laughs> trying to get through a door and it was locked. So he was actually stuck in a corner. Uh, but this is what happened. Mr. Borla, can I ask you, did you know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission? How long did you know that without saying it publicly? Thank you very much. I'm sorry. To that question. I mean, we, we now know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission, but why did you keep it secret? You said it was 100% effective, then 90%, then 80%, then 70%. But we now know that the vaccines do not trans stop transmission. Why did you keep that secret? Have a nice day. I won't have a nice day until I know the answer. Why did you keep it a secret? I just have to note, Bruce, did you see the building that they just walked past? Which one? This one right on, on the uh, left of Borla. Uh -huh. It's Palantir. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Huh. Uh-huh. They just so happen to have an office in Davos, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It is. Anyway, um, continuing continuing on. Yeah. That your vaccine did not stop transmission. Is it time to apologize to the world, sir? To give refunds back to the countries that poured all their money into your vaccine that doesn't work, your ineffective vaccine? Yeah, you have a little bit of right. Are you not ashamed of what you've done in the last couple of years? Do you have any apologies to the public, sir? Are you proud of it? 
You've made millions on the backs of people's entire livelihoods. How does that feel to walk the streets as a millionaire on the backs of the regular person at home in Australia, in England, in Canada? What do you think about on your yacht, sir? What do you think about on your private jet? Are you worried about product liability? Are you worried about myocarditis? What about the sudden deaths? <laughs> what do you have to say about young men dropping dead of heart attacks every day? Why won't you answer these basic questions? No apologies, sir. Do you, do you think you should be charged criminally for Albert, for some of the criminal behavior you've obviously been a part of? How much money have you personally made off the vaccine? How many boosters do you think it'll take for you to be happy enough with your earnings? Nothing. Who did you meet with here in secret? Will you disclose who you met with? Who did you pay commissions to? In the past, Pfizer has paid $2.3 billion. So you get the idea. Uh, and this, this goes to show you that every time he sits in front of softball media, as in like uh, CNBC or Bloomberg or MSNBC or CBS or, or BBC or Sky News or whatever, it's all staged. It's all scripted. And he's, he's doing... What he's supposed to do, he's keeping his mouth shut when he's being asked real questions. You know, I would love to see this guy sitting on a stand at a trial being asked those exact questions under oath. I would like to see that. Is it normal to have a CEO being led around by the arm of um, by one of the aides or whatever? Like, are they incapable of yes. uh, navigating <laughs> themselves? <laughs> yes. <laughs> to answer your question, yes. It's on both accounts. Yes, they are incapable. You've been around these people. You, you know they are incapable. So they have to be told by two or three different admins, which some of those probably are. Those are probably all he has with him are just admins. They are the ones that set up their schedules. These CEOs of these companies and these directors and things, these executives, they don't know what to do. They know how to sit in front of uh, a corporate board meeting and give a presentation on what notes have been provided for them. That's what they know. So just like Borla gets his talking points before he goes on camera, I'm sure. He hasn't gotten any of his notes, so he doesn't know what to say. His handlers probably don't know what to make of it either, other than to just get him to the next venue where he's going to speak. And it just so happens he was, well, you see, he was outside of the uh, uh, the Davos thing there because of Rebel News guys. They weren't allowed in, so they had to stay on the, per the outer perimeter. Well, Borla was spotted outside on the outer perimeter, and they just so happened to start asking him questions. But you see, Borla was on his way to CNBC, and you can see Bruce, he's wearing the same same clothes in this CNBC interviews. And, and this, this is what he had to say when he got to the accredited media, when he got to the credible sources that are going to ask the real questions, this is what happened. About um, the status of the, the booster in the U.S., there's been a CFTC and FDA investigation into safety, potential safety issues surrounding stroke for elderly people who have gotten the booster. What, what do you know about that? No, I think what the CDC said was that uh, they saw a signal in one small database, and as a result, they triggered a very comprehensive review of all databases in existence, and they discovered nothing. So then, just, but just for transparency, we had seen a signal, we, uh -huh. we tested, we found nothing. The same is with us. Uh, nothing. We were alerted that they found that. We'll do it. Our own investigation in all databases in Europe, Israel, and the U.S., and we found in none of them anything. None of them. So none are, are them you anything. continuing to look into safety issues, people? 
people wonder if it makes me people more vulnerable to cardiac arrest. You, you've arrest. You've you've seen all the, you know, some conspiracies and some. You know, valid. Yeah, irrelevant from conspiracy or not, we have a team that constantly does this. They are collaborating with major scientific institutions, and they are doing with them and alone ourselves digging into databases. And we constantly review and analyze data. We have seen not a single signal, although we have distributed billions of doses. You see, Bruce, they found nothing. They they found no problems whatsoever. They're collaborating with major institutions. Of course, he doesn't list a single one. And it's just it's irrelevant to conspiracy theories. You, you hear that? And they, they've got their own investigators working on it. And the CDC, yeah, they of course, somebody mentioned it. The CDC looked into it and you heard him. They found nothing. Man, uh, that college degree must really be helping those uh uh, researchers that are investigating <laughs> that because, uh, oh, wait, that's right. They're probably multimillionaires now because they've been paid off by Pfizer, Moderna and all the others to keep their mouth shut and find no problems. That's the difference. They're being paid to find nothing. And we're looking at the actual data going, hey, there's uh, actually they're there. Uh, and we need to be looking into this and Yo, we need we to be uh, trying these people. And um, they're telling the rest of us on the mainstream that I'm I'm actually wondering how long the mainstream is going to hold water for them. I know they're being paid a lot of money, but there, there's going to come a time to when the body count is going to be too high. Remember something that Fauci said. There, there There's a, a quote that Fauci had said years ago uh, in front of Congress. And he basically said, uh, I think this was back in the 90s. Uh, oh, 99. Here you go. Uh, Dr. Fauci said that um, all hell can break loose 12 years later after a vaccine. 12 years. OK, uh, we're already seeing all hell break loose uh, from the minute we started giving out the jab. Uh, what is this going to be 12 years from now? I don't think we're going to have to wait 12 years, to be fair, because we're already seeing it now. And when we when we looked at those research papers, of the actual trials, the animal trials of this type of a vaccine might not have been specifically for this uh, strain and everything that they're working on now. But when they tried to develop an mRNA vaccine against a coronavirus infection, the results were clear. It was it was clear. It was crystal clear. 100% fatality rate in, in different forms, of course. But it was all of something else. It all caused other problems. And, you know, What's one of the organizations that they used, and they're continuing to use, I might add, to monopolize your perception, to get you to buy into the fear and the hysteria of this whole agenda? What is one of those organizations? Well, it's Facebook, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if you were somebody that spoke out against getting the jab, if you were somebody that, wow, you wasn't even, you didn't even have to worry about speaking out against the jab. It was just against COVID restrictions on their own. If you were somebody or a doctor or, you know, a, a nutritionist or a health advocate or, or one of these physical trainers or, or something, a personal trainers, whatever. If you were somebody that said, you know, all of these things that they're doing in the government levels, the health departments, the closing down of businesses, the WHO, the EU, the UN, all of these things are wrong. All of these people are wrong to do this. Oh, you had to be shut down. Right. And then it got substantially worse. 
when the vaccine rolled out, didn't it? Because that was the first wave, if you were against the restrictions. Then it became about, well, we're going to follow the WHO, the United Nations, and the CDC on their guidelines. And anybody that disputes that, well, your disinformation, we're going to have to shut you down. That was the official policy from Facebook, was it not? Was it not? I believe it yeah. was. That was the official Facebook, policy. Facebook, YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was the official policy. Well, this is what Mark Zuckerberg was telling his staff at the same time they were shutting you down. Um, I, I share some caution on this because um, we just don't know the long-term side effects of, of basically modifying people's um, DNA and RNA to, um, to directly encode in a person's DNA and, and RNA, basically the ability to, um, to, to produce... Uh, those antibodies and whether that causes other mutations or other risks down um, downstream. So, I would advise caution against modifying someone's DNA and RNA. Of course, you were a conspiracy theorist if you thought that it did that in the first place, and you would be banned for that too. Who's leaning on Zuckerberg? That's what I want to know. They may not be leaning on him. It could be a situation of he just doesn't know what's going on. They, they, they're, they're doing it under his nose, if you will. And because he's making money, he's making bank, he doesn't really pay attention to it. He just lets them do their own thing. That's kind of uh, what's alluded to uh, the whole Twitter Dorsey situation. Twitter was doing th uh, things uh, autonomously without his knowledge, supposedly. I if that's the case, well, it could be something similar here. I don't think you could even say supposedly, because when we looked at the uh, the communiques between Noel Roth and who we believed was the FBI, which turned out later that it was the FBI, Noel Roth was saying, or Yol Roth, excuse me, Yol Roth was saying, yeah, I got him and Harari confused. There's so many of these idiots now. But Roth was saying, well, we need to get Jack on board with that first. So I need to have a meet with him and make sure that everything's good with him, but we should be fine on it. And the FBI said, yep, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. So we already knew what was going on there. So yeah, you're right. It, well, of course, we didn't know at the time, right? We, we were only surmising and, and speculating at the time. But once the uh, the Twitter files with uh, with Musk started to come out, then things started to change. But again, back to this, right? So you're talking about all-cause mortality. We're being told, and the Aussies specifically are being told, oh my God, the unvaxxed are filling up the hospitals. It's so selfish of them to be taking hospital space for people that need care. You hear that? I've heard that out of these people. But if you look at the data, if you look at the numbers, it's not true. It doesn't hold water. You know, I read a survey last week. One in four Americans, one in four. Think about this. The United States, country of 330 million people, minus illegals, one in four Americans know somebody that has died in the last two years alone. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. Of course, we also looked at the all-cause mortality in our generation, 18 to 49. And in the last 12 months, we've experienced the same losses as we did in 10 years of the Vietnam War. Shouldn't that be a red flag to somebody? I would think so. And these weren't COVID deaths. Because no. if you look at the time when COVID uh, was strongest and most dangerous for the average person, and then you compare it uh, to the fact that there was no immunity, uh, there was no vaccine, we didn't see these numbers during COVID. But we started seeing these numbers rise by a substantial increase, mind you. Um, uh, I believe it was something like 30 some percent when it first started rising. Right about January, is, uh, it, it dipped down and then it started spiking up and then it just continued to spike up of 2021. 
what what happened in 2021? What uh, it was something that happened then? There was something that happened there. Uh, we rolled out something. I I just it's slipping my mind right now. You know, it's it's that yeah it must be that um, that thing that's going around that it's got everybody at the moment. It's just slipping my mind. Yeah, that was by the way that that uh, graph that talks about that is from a uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, and it's comparing the number of from 16 and older. The number of uh, civilian labor force claiming to have a physical disability, not mental, physical disability. Now, because of the lockdowns, we did see a spike in mental health issues, but this is physical disabilities. That rose 30% just within the first months of the rollout of the vaccine. Would corroborate the statement that McCullough made back during the summer, just this past summer. He said, look, we saw the numbers take off, as in like when the vaccine rolled out. That was in February, March. We started to see the first rollout. They were hitting the, you know, the higher age brackets in, in March. And then around May, around April, May, they started to drop off. Why is that? Word was getting around and not on social media because you couldn't talk about it there. Word was getting around that people were dying. And so what happened after that? Mandates. That's when the mandates came in. We're going to threaten your job. We're going to threaten your livelihood. We're going to threaten your uh, your family, all the rest of it. We're, we're going to do all these things unless you take this thing. What good is it if you take that and you're dead? You're no good to your family anyway. So there was no point. It wasn't the fact that we saw the research beforehand, right? It wasn't that. That's not what, what should have pushed people away from it. What it was was the fear that surrounded it. That right there should have been a red flag to everybody. But everybody was stuck in this sense of learned helplessness because you've been locked down and all you wanted to do was get back to normal. All you wanted to do was go on vacation. All you wanted to do was go to a restaurant. All you wanted to do was get on an airplane and go somewhere. That's all you were thinking about. Well, I just want to get back in the office. They put you in a no-win situation when you should have told these people in reality to drop dead. Take your vaccine, take your tests, and whatever else you got going on on that that three ring circus you call a, a television and this social media garbage, you can go pound sand with that stuff. That's what should have happened right there. But it didn't. And this is where we are. So where do we stand now? Before I before I get into um, Scott Adams, or Dr. Scott Adams here, what, what do you got? Uh, I just wanted to throw in that uh, if you take all the vaccine reporting, the serious cases from 2009 forward, uh, just within the year and a half of COVID vaccines, from Pfizer and Moderna, just a year and a half, uh, we have 5.5 times larger number of uh, serious ad uh, adverse effects. Um, so myocarditis and up 5.5 times greater uh, per capita, mind you. This isn't just because uh, we're vaccinating more. So obviously we have more. No, this is per capita. 5.5 times higher. The CDC knew this was going to happen because they, in the beginning, were expecting 1,000 reports a day in the VAERS database. Uh, in fact, there's contracts showing they spent nearly $10 million with an M with General Dynamics in August of 2020 prepping for the increase in VAERS uh, reports from the, the coming vaccines. Yeah, uh, by March of 2021, they had to increase that 1,000 per day to 25,000 per day. And then on top of that, they had 115,000 reports that were backlogged that they had to uh, push through as well. So um, August 2020 to March 2021, they had 115,000 backlogged 
on top of a thousand a day, and then another twenty five thousand a day were expected after that. Hmm. So what you're saying is safe and effective. What you're saying is, well, you heard you heard Borla. They they found found no problems there. They've given out billions of doses. No problems. No problems whatsoever. Nothing to see no here. Problems. Move along. Move along. What you're saying is is that they have covered this up about as much as they can. I I was reading something uh, that Ned had sent over a while back. You see, in the UK they have these contracts. So when when a contract gets proposed for like a building or something, then it becomes a public contract and you can actually see it. You can actually see how that ordeal is going to go. You know, they're building refrigerated warehouses across the UK from now until 2025. Do you really think that they're building those those for nothing? Yeah. Do you think they're building those for nothing? No, it, it's it's for the synthetic meat and the, the bugs <laughs> uh, that. Yeah. yeah, sure, sure. OK, so through through this, would you say that the last two years and we got a long way to go in this, make no mistake about that, because you heard Tony Blair. We played him down on the stage in Davos just a few days ago. He said, look, there's going to be more shots and you're going to have multiple shots in these new agendas that are coming. You heard it. So that's what they've got planned. Now, rather, he was supposed to say that or not. Either way, the cat's out of the bag. Just like that whole cyber attack that dear old Klaus has been warning about for years. And, and his assistant, one of his assistants, just said, look, we uh, we think that that's going to happen within the next two years. You know what that means? That's plausible deniability so that when they do it, they're not left holding the bag. They can say, well, we warned about it. Uh, no, you're the dumbasses that did it. And we can see you. So anyway, before I get too far ahead of myself, the last two years have done what? Do you think that the last two years, based on just just on what you talked about, do you think the last two years have pushed people in a direction to accept more jabs? Or do you think it's put them in a position to become what they claim everyone to be that doesn't want them, and that's an anti-vaxxer? Oh, no, clearly the vaccines are safe and effective. So it, clearly people are more interested in getting more vaccines, clearly. Clearly, Dr. Scott Adams on who's really winning this fight. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you that the people who the anti-vaxxers appear to be right. Somebody who did not get vaccinated, got a little Omicron or maybe even a worse one, but recovered. Now you've got natural immunity and you have no vaccination in you. Can we all agree that that was the winning path? The smartest, happiest people are the ones who didn't get the vaccination and are still alive. I want to make sure that I'm not leaving any wiggle room for myself. Have I? Have I said as clearly as possible they're the happy ones right now and have a reason to be completely? Having uh, having said as clearly as possible that the anti-vax people seem to be the winners, I want you to hear that clearly. The anti-vax people appear to be the winners. The anti-vaxxers clearly are the winners at this point, and I think it'll probably stay that way. And and I don't want to put any shade on that whatsoever. They came out the best. They, they have the winning position. The unvaccinated have a current advantage because they, they feel better. The, the thing they're not worrying about is what I have to worry about, which is, I wonder if that vaccination five years from now, because really the anti-vaxxers, I think, were really just distrustful of big companies and big government. That's never wrong. It's never wrong to distrust government. It's never wrong to distrust big companies, right? So if you just took the position, let's just distrust everything the government did, well, you won. You won. (laughs) You won completely. I did not end up in the right place. Agree? You would all agree with that, right? 
I did not end up in the right place. The right place would be natural immunity, no, no vaccination. You should take victory, and I should take defeat. We can agree on that, right? That, that my position is now the weakest, and, and your position has gone from the weakest to the strongest, and that we can just say that's true. The people who didn't get vaxxed are absolutely in the winning position. <coughs> you win. You win. You are the winners. You are the winners. All right. Let me say that part with no ambiguity. You won. You won. Uh, all, all of my fancy analytics got me to a bad place. All of your heuristics don't trust these guys. It's obvious. Totally worked. No, I'm going to make it a little bit worse. I'm going to take out the I didn't trust the government. I don't trust companies part that he was talking about there. And let's make it a little bit more painful for him. It was an experimental drug. That's it. That's all you had to look at. It was an experimental drug. You didn't have to have a distrust of government or companies. Just a, well, maybe I shouldn't take this because it's an experiment. Maybe I should uh, let it go through testing a bit more. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe I should uh, just kind of hold off. That's all you had to do. That's it. You didn't need any kind of distrust or anything of government or corporations. For me, it was the fear factor that they put people under. It was that. It was the twisting of of people's lives, as in like, we're going to hold you in this position until you do this. This is your, uh, you know, the carrot and the stick thing. This is your key to get back over here. When you started to see the coercion, and that's what it was, make no mistake, it was coercion. It's still coercion. When it was that, that right there should have been enough long before I mean, we already had an inherent distrust of government in everything else, regardless of whether or not there was a uh, uh, any kind of a mandate or anything. I didn't trust those yahoos and those idiots before. I certainly don't trust them now on anything. I might have had maybe a little bit of somewhat trust in in these institutions. All right, look, you know, I, I got to I need to go get like this building permit or I need to, which I think is ridiculous anyway, uh, or I need to go get this done at this office or I need to go over here and I need to do that. No, 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 no. Screw all of you at this point. I don't care. I really don't care. And the corporations Oh, no, 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 no. Let me see. Let me tell you what's going to happen to the corporations. OK, they are desperately trying to get rid of you in their workforce. Right. That's the other half of this equation is is that right there. You remember Noah Harari? We play it in our intro. What are we going to do with all these useless people? Um, they're going to get rid of you. They don't need you anymore. And when you figure out that they don't need you anymore and they saddled you with a fake education and mountains of real debt in a fake economy, in a fake lifestyle, in a fake culture, and then they tried to off you and your family, when you figure that out, they know that you're going to come for them. And so they're trying to quietly dispose of you. Just like Dennis Meadows said, again, in our intro, I hope that it can occur in a civil way, and, and when I say civil, I mean in a special way, peaceful. It's pretty peaceful, I have to say. Didn't you say something about shared experience as well? Yeah, you want it to be, well, that's the extended clip, yeah, but that's a, you want it to be yeah. a, a shared experience, yeah, because you, you want everybody to, you know, to take part in that. And I would mm -hmm. say that that's a shared experience. This is a shared experience, is it not? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah? When One in four people. 84%. Who's the winner? 
in the beginning, you thought it was you that were, you know, just doing what you were told. And yeah, we're all going to get back to normal and and we're going to follow the mainstream line and we're going to disassociate ourselves with. And they're still doing it, by the way, the celebrities. We're going to disassociate ourselves with the people that don't do what they're told. And so this creates an element of fear in society, doesn't it? Right. The fear of being alone, fear of being isolated. So if you're alone, if you're fearful of that, well, then what reason do they have to keep you around at that point? Right. Saul Alinsky rules for radicals. You pick a target, you freeze it, you demonize it and you eliminate it. Chinese Communist Party, they follow exactly that, don't they? With their social credit system, they turn you into persona non grata. Precisely what they tried to do with COVID. Oh, make no mistake, the digital IDs and the digital currencies, all that's going to go with it. The jab requirements, oh yeah, it's all going to happen, or at least it's going to be attempted. But it's interesting to me how they've used the element of fear here. To me, from a psychological standpoint, from a point of criminal insanity, because that's, you know, criminal psychology, these people are criminally insane. They are criminally insane to do what they've done and what they're continuing to do. You see, at first, it was a fear of the unknown right? Because they shut down everything around you. They shut down your life. They shut down civilization. They were successful in that. They never should have been, but they were. And so they took that as you accepting it, right? They say it in their own writings. We've read them. We read them last week. They said, well, we had the acceptance of lockdown measures. We had the acceptance of, of contact tracing. We had the acceptance of vaccinations. No, we didn't. It's those little word games that they like to play. You didn't have acceptance of these things. They were told, respectively, in your populations, you were told, do this or this is going to happen to you. Pick whatever and apply it to whatever. You go outside, you're going to be fined. You go over to this person's house, you're going to be fined. You're going to be arrested. You're going to be thrown in jail. You're going to be taken to to an isolation camp. You heard Dr. Michael Ryan of the World Health Organization saying, we're going to have to go into people's houses. And we're going to have to separate families in a dignified manner. Oh, that's not dignified, sir. That's state-sanctioned brutality is what that is. Kidnapping. Yeah, it is. So fear, that was their tool. That was their their weapon of choice. Always is. When you've got a, a minority that's trying to rule over the majority, as I said, they know what's coming. Oh, they know what's coming. When you put two billion people on this planet out of work overnight, respectively, what do you think is going to happen? Michael Bloomberg, does everybody remember him? You know, the former mayor of New York, pre de Blasio, ran for president. The guy that owns the Bloomberg Financial Network, that guy. This is the guy that went on his own network and said, we don't need farmers anymore because you just you dig a hole, you put a seed in it and you put some dirt on it and you add some water. We don't need farmers for that. That's how disconnected these people are. A little bit more complicated than that, Mike. If it's that easy, why is there an agricultural degree you can get in uh, colleges and universities? Uh-huh. Why, why is that a thing if uh-huh. it's just that simple? Yeah. And it's been a degree for many, many centuries, not recent. Now, big agro has become a recent thing since the end of the war, but that's another argument. I would argue that's what people like him have helped foster over the last 70 years because it puts the little guy out of business. But anyway, that's a side issue. But he even said that, you see, this was one of his arguments for the universal basic income. Again, that will come with stipulations. That's what the digital currency is all about. It's not about a currency and the value of it in the future with these people. It's about your status in society. That is a social credit system. That's what they're selling you. That is what has value to these people is your status, which, of course, 
you'll have that if you just do what you're told. If you monitor your carbon footprint, if you eat plants and, and bugs and what God knows whatever else they're going to shovel at you, Bill Gates's sewage water or whatever, and you take their jabs, you live in their little coffin apartments, their little plastic cities. Yeah, Bloomberg knew this. He made the argument for the universal basic income because he knew, hey, look, we're going to take all these people's jobs. We're going to take them away from them because let's be honest, during this, this uh, COVID thing, they didn't want you to work. Think about that for just a minute. They didn't want you going to work. And on the European they, continent, a lot of places are still closed. Go ahead. And they also gave, at least here in the US, they gave a pseudo uh, universal basic income with the $1,200 and all that they were doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was more than that here. Here, people were getting 80% of their regular salary for not going to work. They were given 80% in some cases. Yeah, and they they also had the unemployment benefits and stuff. In fact, when work, uh, businesses started opening up again, they were having difficulty filling their, their crews back again because you were getting more money on an unemployment and the government uh, subsidies than you would going in and working. Precisely. So universal basic income. Bloomberg said, look, I'm just kind of paraphrasing here. Of course, he said, look, um, we're going to have to do something to offer something to people. We're, we're going to have to give them some kind of incentive financially because they're not going to have any jobs. And if we don't do that, then they're going to kill us. Do you understand that they tried to kill you before you could kill them? And, and I'm not trying to be a graphic here. As Again, I know we're a family-oriented show here, but Let's just face facts and look at the reality of the situation, shall we? Fear. Fear was pushed if you didn't do what you were told. They used fear to even push you into the fact that you would become more fearful if you didn't do what you were told, right? So it's been a campaign of fear upon fear upon fear upon fear. You can apply it to everything. What's interesting now, from my standpoint, again, looking at it from an element of, of criminal psychology and seeing how insane these people are, what I find fascinating, and it's sad at the same time to see it, is how they're going to flip that fear again back on itself because of what that gentleman said in that last audio clip we just played. He said, am I going to have to worry about something three years, five years? As you pointed out, hell, even Dr. Anthony Fauci, when he said, you might run into some serious problems 10 to 12 years down the road. Fear in the beginning to push you into something that you otherwise would not have done. So you did it under duress. That's not acceptance. Those that did it, now the question becomes, how much fear are they going to surround you with? Those of you that did it, how much, how much fear are you going to get surrounded with because of the decision that you made? One thing I learned coming up in the you know, investigative uh, background, one thing that I learned was there's no greater element of fear than to use someone's own imagination against them. And that is successfully being applied here. They're coming up with all these excuses, all these. I mean, I, I've seen things and we've gone over things here. I mean, the, all the craziest things you can possibly imagine of why people are just randomly dropping dead. Whistles, sads, shaking your, your, your duvet out planting vegetables, breathing, hot, cold, uh, rain. I mean, you name it. The list goes on and on. So what happens to the people? What happens to the people? You're put under stress in a fear situation, aren't you? If your own imagination is running wild of the unknown, thinking that something could happen to you, you could be sitting on a ticking time bomb that goes off tomorrow or maybe never, depending on what you got. 
Stress causes what? Causes your system to go into overdrive. You're constantly put under stress. And what, what are we hearing from the, uh, <clears throat> the health officials now? Uh, well, you know, stress, overabundance of stress causes heart attacks, strokes, cardiac issues, these things. Really? So what you're saying is those of us that are paying attention, those of us that have seen these evil bastards for what they are from the start, what you're really saying is you're going to scare people to death and you're going to make them do it to themselves. You see how insane these people are? When I, when I say criminal insanity, that doesn't even begin to describe it. I've seen criminal insanity. I, I was telling you about it behind the scenes last week, Bruce. I've seen criminal insanity, believe me. This is on par, if not beyond that. From a psychological standpoint, it's beyond anything I have seen. And to hear these screaming, hysteric loons down in Davos talking about well, I shouldn't even say talking because they're not talking at all. Screaming about if we don't do all these things, then uh, all these people are going to die. Uh, I think you guys are making pretty good headway as it is. And that's not climate change, even though they're claiming it's climate change. I see an insane elite, so-called elite. I use that term very loosely. Elite actually implies that you've accomplished something in your life. These people haven't accomplished anything. I've made this reference before, and I'm going to make it again to those that are new listeners. I've studied the final days of the Third Reich in Germany, so the last days of the Nazis. I've studied that period in time in, in great detail. It's a very important time in our history, and I would encourage anybody that hasn't done it to please go back and, and learn about it. There are several books on the matter. But in the final days, you had in the upper brass, the upper echelon, if you will, you had this person making a decision. This person was was making an even crazier decision. And everything that was going on within that, that hierarchy of that dictatorship, the entire thing was a neurotic system. And it's the same thing with these, these jokers down there at the World Economic Forum. The entire thing is built on a neurotic system. What drives a neurotic system? Fear drives a neurotic system. When you have a, a group of people that have been in power for an extended period of time, as the, the Nazis were, they were in power for about a decade. Some would argue a little bit longer than that. These people that have been in power in the, the running the, the, you know, the, the global show down there, these people have been in power. They've been in power since the end of the war. They've built this global infrastructure. They're talking about globalism. No, globalism is what we've had. Globalism is not coming together. Globalism is ending with this agenda. This is not the beginning of it. You want more centralization? No. Centralization has gotten us to this mess. When you have an established group that's been in power for a long period of time and they get weakened somehow, no matter what that is, if it's if it's being uh, called out, exposed, if you've got public rejection, some way, shape or form, they get weakened. Their order, their foundation gets rattled to its core. Some would argue that it was the election of Donald Trump. Some would argue that. Some would also argue the Brexit vote. The whole point of the European Union was to unify all the European countries. Well, if you had countries that were starting to break away, you couldn't have the domino effect because the French would have followed. Emmanuel Macron himself, when he first got elected, I remember I, was, I remember it specifically, and that video has been scrubbed from the internet. If anybody can find it, send it to us. I specifically remember Emmanuel Macron sitting in front of an interview camera and being asked the question, are the French people going to have an opportunity to vote to leave the European Union? And he was giving the interview in English. I was in my hotel room in Hamburg, and I heard him say it. He said, no, we can't offer that vote to people. And the interviewer said, why not? And he said, because people would vote to leave. The French were on their way out. The Dutch were on their way out. They can't have 
tri-state city in the Netherlands. So getting back to my original point, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to drift, but it goes to reason. They were being weakened, is my point. When you have that system, that neurotic system that's run by fear, fear of, oh my God, if we don't do this, then this is going to happen. If we don't do this, this is going to happen. So you have to do what we're telling you to do because we're the experts and you don't know anything. We were chinking away at their armor in the West. You didn't need the U.S. to be a centerpiece of Western civilization anymore. Of course, now you've kind of secured that after what you idiots have done. But you had the English. The English said, no more, no more. We don't want to be ruled by people that we don't even elect. The very basis of that shuts down the whole argument of the European Union as a whole anyway. The French would have left. The Dutch would have left. The only country supporting this this circus would have been the Germans. And they've had enough. When that happens in this system that they've created, this totalitarian system that's run by fear, everything turns into a giant madhouse. The people that have been in charge go absolutely ballistic crazy. And the whole system ends up tearing itself apart. I believe that's what we're seeing now. And in the process of this, they kill every time in history untold millions of people when this happens. Every time this happens. That's how I see things. If you believe I'm incorrect, fine. I'm not going to be angry with you. Bruce, do you think I'm wrong? Do, do you have a different opinion? Do you, you want to pick all that apart? You, you go right ahead. Uh, well, I mean, that's exactly what we're seeing right now. So I, I, I don't think that's... Um... It looks like some of the, the talking heads, the elites there in Davos, some of them didn't even show up. Uh, we've talked about it already. Many of the Hollywood people didn't show up. It almost seems like, uh, even though this is technically supposed to be the biggest one uh, that they've ever had, supposedly. It's like Rats leaving a sinking uh, ship, running yeah, for the hills. I, 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 I think it's kind of, uh, it's more for public show to say, oh no, see, we're still here. We're still relevant. We're still pushing for these things. But... I, I, their narrative is falling apart in, in the average person's. They're not for this. They're not for having all electric vehicles, uh, all electric gas and, you know, or, or in, or excuse me, all electric for the furnace and the stoves and the uh, hot water tanks and all that stuff. You know, they're not Which for all these have. things. They're not for bugs. They're not for, yeah, you won't even have that technically because, yeah, they're not, they're not for. And now I was seeing articles out of, uh, I think it was MSN talking about they're now talking about which is interesting because it was Microsoft that, that that's doing this. They're they're going after people's leisure time now as well and making forcing them to be more eco friendly. When you start cutting into people's lives and you start forcing them to do things that they're not uh, already inclined to do, I think they're going to see even more pushback. One of the things that was different about COVID is. Um, you were effectively barred from going to work. There was some leisure that was uh, restricted, but you weren't barred from all of your favorite leisure activities. Uh, you were just barred from some of them and paid uh, basically to keep your mouth shut and just, you know, do as you're told. Well, they closed down gyms and cafes and, you know, places like that people would go to help. I think even libraries were closed. You couldn't go there if anybody even still yeah. goes to the library. Yeah. Uh, all, all basically public venues were more or less closed. You can only buy certain things and whatnot, and people were accepting of that. Now things are becoming a little bit more uh, tumultuous. They're a little bit more uneasy. Unrest is on the rise. I, I think uh, to what you're saying, their narrative is falling apart. They've killed off a bunch of people, and more people are still dying. 
Uh, if if that quote that I gave of Fauci, he was referencing the HIV, creating a vaccine for HIV. If they were to do that and you you inject thousands of people and they're fine, you know, year in, that nobody's having any major problems or anything. It looks good. Uh, all hell may break loose 12 years later. That's why you've got to have all these uh, safety procedures, uh, you know, testing and all that kind of stuff, which we, we talked about at the time with these jabs. If all you're doing is getting red tape out of the way and still doing the test and, it, you know, and making sure it's safe. OK, you know. But they didn't even do that. They they removed all the safety guard, all the safeguards and everything. So, yeah, yeah, they're they're killing people. Uh, their narrative's falling apart. And um, now it's just kind of um, a race to see who's going to win. I, I think it's going to it's be it's. Yeah, I think this and is going to be a photo finish. Yeah, yeah. And they've they've got this war that they're going to try and spin up in, in Eastern Europe, too, with Russia that you you can see how they're just pushing that really hard. Now, where's one person in that talking about peace? One per I want one voice, one voice, somebody other than the fact that we the people are saying you people have lost your damn minds. All of you, Putin included. You've all lost your damn minds. I had a thought. I, I want to run this past you. I saw an article out of The Guardian a few days ago. It was about Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. Now, The Guardian, take that for what you will, right? The Guardian, eh, you know, it's an establishment piece and, and everything else. That's 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 controlled, whatever. And so I'm confused. Usually. Very left-leaning, yeah. So I'm, I'm confused about what I saw as a headline. And that was trouble in paradise, problems down in Davos. People behind the scenes are concerned about who's actually running the show. Is it Klaus? Klaus largely he bowed out of a lot of things this year. He was there, of course. He was on stage. He spoke. He took part in some panels. I expect him to do that. But they're concerned. Uh, and it's it wasn't just The Guardian that, that made this report. I did see it in, in a few other places. But it wasn't widely talked about. And that is people that didn't show up this year. That is uh, their concerns. Their concern is is about uh, passing the torch, if you will, because Schwab's getting up there. You know, he's he's getting up there. He's not going to last too many more of these things. And passing the torch, who's he going to pass it to? Well, they're concerned because they seem to think, they all seem to think that there's no line of secession there, as in there's no way for that to be uh, to be passed on. They, they weren't really considering that. They were just thinking that it was going to be like, you know, some kind of a, uh, of a North Korean or monarch style dynasty where it just gets passed on to his kids. You pass it on to those two, they've got connections to where? Communist China. So it makes me wonder, Schwab, if you've been paying attention in the last few years, he's been talking up China and, and China's been uh, one of the uh, the top delegate parties at the World Economic Forum every year. You had the vice premier this year. Of course, Xi Jinping didn't make it. And you heard how Klaus introduced him last year, His Excellency, Schwab was in China not long ago, wasn't he? He gave an interview on Chinese state television saying that you know, China's the model. You know, it, I, I don't think that we need to force that model on the rest of the world. I think each country should should choose. But uh, China's a, a, a very, very good example that, that people could look at uh, as, as why a model. Would you, why would you plant the idea of forcing it on other countries if you had no intention of forcing it on other countries? Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Schwab's not stupid. For all things considered, Klaus Schwab is not stupid. Klaus Schwab's a very smart guy. That doesn't mean that he knows anything about business because the man's collected a paycheck for 36 months of his entire life. But as far as playing politics, the man seems to, to know his stuff. I'll give him that. Now, we talked a while back about a guy named Maurice Strong. Does anybody remember Maurice Strong? Remember Maurice Strong? You know, the, the guy that's 
had all those connections to Khashoggi from the so from Saudi Arabia, you know, the arms dealer, you know, and his uh yeah, that that guy had the uh had the idea for uh, global warming for uh you know, at the Rio uh Rio summit back in 92, I believe it was. Maurice Strong, that guy. The guy that said that isn't the only hope for the civilized world that the industrialized nations collapse? Isn't it our responsibility to bring that about? That guy, him, the guy that was the one could argue the um, the uh, the inception of you will not eat any more meat. That guy, of course, the guy that that became the largest owner of cattle in the U.S. One of them, anyway. He also purchased the largest. Uh, underwater aquifer system in the United States. That guy, that that man. And of course, when he died, where did he go? Where was he buried? He was buried in China, wasn't he? Yeah. As a matter of fact, he was, well, by God, he was buried right next to Mao, Chairman Mao, wasn't he? You see, I wonder that when all of this, all of this, this grandiose, everything that they got going on down there in, in Davos, their production value is terrible, by the way, I might add. For people that have bottomless pocketbooks, I would think you people could do better than that. But I wonder when all this goes wrong, when it's starting to, you can you can see that when all this goes wrong. I wonder if dear old Klaus is going to have an exit strategy, because I can pretty much bet that he's going to try and run. He's going to leave the others hanging high and dry down there because that's what people like him do. I'm just guessing and I could be wrong, but I'm just guessing. It looks to me like dear old Klaus is planning an exit strategy to a non-extradition treaty country. Uh, maybe uh, the the takeover that you're talking about, you know, kind of in the, the North Korean style or or even Chinese style in the, in the case of Xi. Maybe he was expecting to win and not have to worry about a successor because AI, yeah. AI would yeah. fill that role. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's maybe that's part of the reason. Or Harari. I could see him taking over. Or or Harari. Uh, there's some other people around him that we were kind of looking into that could potentially Rogers. take up the yeah. positions. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, do they have... Uh, we haven't seen them publicly, but that could still... No. Publicly no, as in like doing yeah. addresses and stuff and, no, and no, interactions. No, no, no. You won't see that. You'll, you'll see those people behind the scenes. I, I and If you have a transfer like that, what will happen is, is they'll, you know, once they establish control, they'll they'll present them in a in a very minimalistic manner. And then they'll slowly start because you didn't hear about Klaus Schwab for a long time, for a long time, not publicly. He was there. Of course, he was there. I remember seeing this joker on TV like 12, 15 years ago, but he wasn't pushed. Not like he is now. Not like he is now. And largely the mainstream media, I don't see Klaus Schwab anywhere on the mainstream media. Hardly at all. You have the financial networks covering it like it's some kind of a big business conference or something, but that's it. It's it's not it's not covered as as with all this other stuff, like all the other clips and things that we play and other podcasts play. You don't hear any of that stuff. You don't see any of those clips of Al Gore being a screaming hysteric. You don't see the clips of whatever that was. And we'll play it later this week. God, I, I'm, I apologize to the listeners in advance. But the the hyena that they've got is what you call a, a musical performance on that stage. The only thing that was missing was some incense burning in the corner of that. And maybe a campfire and a wooden drum. It was ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's art. Yeah, that's art. Yeah, right. Yeah, Marty put a comment in on our Telegram page. He said, you know, I don't like jazz. And I said, is that what you call that? So anyway. All right. Um, you got anything else? No, not not really on this front. Um, 
Uh, everything else is just kind of pales in comparison to uh, basically killing off the human race and uh, or re heavily reducing it. Um, everything you else can lower that pales. By, you uh, can lower that by 10 to 15 percent if you do a really great job with it, Bruce. Yeah, with vaccines and you know. health care and reproductive health services. You know, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. yeah. yeah, sure. All right. We're going to go ahead and jump out of here. I'd like to thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone. And have a fantastic evening.